Good morning and welcome to the original Loretta Brown Show Radio to Open the Heart, Heal the Soul, and oh, Awaken the Consciousness. I feel like I need to do big yawns this morning. Why? Just, uh, You're not awake know. yet? What's going on? I don't on? know. I've been that way kind of all week. You come over there and something. smack you around a little Thank bit. Thank you. Thank you. Wake up. Wake Ooh, up wake I feel up. better. There we go. Huh. Feels good. By the way, drive safe out there. My yeah. goodness, it's raining like crazy. So, um, what's yeah. new for Seattle? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, it's, it's liquid sunshine. It's liquid sunshine. It's go. January. Mm-hmm. We're headed into Aquarius. It I is know. the dawning of the. It, it, it is, by the way. We I technically know. started about last week a little bit. Yes, we did. I could kind did. of feel that rollover. Yes, we mm-hmm. did. Yeah, we did. I, I, um, I'll do a very quick astrology check-in in a moment because I want to get my guest on. But um, we actually have uh, officially entered the age of Aquarius after 50 years of trying to get there, apparently, <laughs> according to. So we're actually in it. I, I know people have been saying, "Is are we in it? Has it happened? You oh, know, it's happened. It has happened. So we got lots of good things coming up. Anyway, I am Loretta Brown. I'm the owner of Reiki Oasis, located right here in the greater Seattle area for the last 25 years. We have a lot of stuff going on at Reiki Oasis all the time. You can find out about me and our events at ReikiOasis.com. You can sign up for everything at schedule.ReikiOasis.com. Thanks to Indigo Hawk, my amazing webmaster, who, wow, I just say it all the time, but I truly, truly mean it. I am not a techie person. So I so appreciate all of you that understand it and were born with it, I think, is what happened. But anyway, we do have a Reiki Masterclass coming up on Saturday, which is the day after tomorrow. So if you've been through Reiki 1 and 2, you can come and join us. And um, I want to also let you know, man, we had a sold-out Crystal Bowl healing concert last Sunday night, Benny. That's great. We had a, I had a waiting list, and we managed to get everybody in, and pretty much body to body on the nice, floor. Nice, It was good. Okay. It, it was really good. It, Didn't, it really uh, make was. any fire marshals uh, on, on, mm, on edge? No, we, we were just to under. <laughs> oh, just under. Oh, good. We were. I see what you did. One there. person. I see what you did. Oh, oh well. Well, <laughs> actually, maybe if I count myself. All right, we're we gonna. Were. <laughs> I always forget to count myself. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's okay. I think it's okay. But I do Cristobal uh, concerts every month. They are really, really good for cleaning and clearing out um, whatever it is that's stuck inside you. And it's a real community thing. We we drink the, the sacred cacao, which is hot chocolate but jazzed up a bit. And um, we just have a wonderful time. So the next one will be Sunday evening, February 9th at 7.30 p.m. Bala Yoga in Kirkland, you do get tickets through Bala Yoga, and you can actually call ahead if you buy tickets in advance. I think you save $5, and um, I think they're like $30 for the tickets. It's not really expensive, but it is a, a really, really nice thing to do. So do that February 9th at 730, and uh, a big shout-out to my patrons. Thank you. This is a listener-supported show and I am eternally grateful for every dollar that you contribute to it so that I can have great people on the show. So quick, quick astrology check-in because I'm going to talk about my favorite subject today besides um, all my other favorite subjects. But the, the love of my life is music, and I'll, I'm going to bring my guest on in a minute. But two things. I have to mention them, Betty. I have to do it 
because Friday we have the first new moon of the year and it falls in the air sign of Aquarius and that is tomorrow, January 24th. And while the new moon carries some turbulent energy and may bring some change into our lives, it also calls for us to find our stillness and to open our hearts bigger and wider. This new moon is working on our emotions and it is triggering us to change the way we have been feeling about an event of our lives. So if you've got something that's been lying deep within you, you haven't been able to access it or you haven't wanted to access it, it is time to just take a moment and sit down with yourself because sometimes we don't feel hurt until we sit down and actually allow ourselves to process the emotion. And, you know, sometimes that's uncomfortable, but you don't want to keep that stuff inside you because it will make you sick. It literally will. If in 2020, with all its huge cosmic alignments and planetary changes, if it's trying to teach us anything, it's that we have to open our hearts deeper and wider now. An open heart is a strong heart. When we soften, the world softens towards us and around us. The other big event this week is happening Saturday, and it is the Chinese New Year. It is the year of the Yang Metal Rat. Now, the rat is the first astrological sign in the Chinese zodiac. The rat is clever, cunning, entrepreneurial, and good at getting its own way. I know. Who knew? Entrepreneurial? Yeah. What? Well, think how clever they are. They'll figure things uh, out. I know. Sorry. We look at them and they're like, oh, oh, no. Oh, right? you're a dirty rat. Oh, you're a dirty see, rat. Man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> see, see, yeah. So it is the first sign of the cho- Chinese zodiac. The rat year symbolizes a brand new day. Ah, the okay. S- the sunrise mm-hmm. and the feeling you get when you first wake up in the morning. Uh, um, and let I don't me, know about let that me, one. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm laughing. <laughs> I was just, you know, sometimes I just want to know if people are paying attention to what I'm saying or if my voice has lulled oh, them the into a hypnotic state. The first thing I want to see in the morning is a rat <laughs> scurrying across the floor. Well, what I mean by that is that when you first get up in the morning, um, you know, some people are morning people. Yeah. Uh, the rat is the morning person, right? So they get up and they want to, you know, get going. Get and, going, right. Yeah, yeah. I can see that then. Yeah. And you are always at choice. We used to, um, I'm just going to bring this up because we're going to talk about music today, but I remember in the second grade, because I am kind of a little, takes me a little longer in the morning than some people. I'd stay up all night. Oh, to get your motor running there? Yeah, I'll watch sunrise from the other end, right? But um, in the second grade, my second grade teacher would always have us sing, you know, good morning to you, Mm -hmm. good morning, right? Mm -hmm. And I would be grumpy, and then she'd make a stand and sing that, and in about three words, I'd be smiling, you know, and no. I'd be like, okay, I'm good now. Hey. <laughs> a I'm good ramp now. Up. That's a little a ramp up, right. So under the year of the rat, the first few mo- moments of the morning are going to be your sacred time, your time to set the tone for the day. And even if you don't love what you're de- doing, or even if your alarm goes off far too early for your liking, spending the morning with a little gratitude, with a little happy song will help you to really thrive in the year of the rat. The year of the rat is also wonderful for those looking to start a new job, take on new projects, or 
da, 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 to find new love. Any new beginnings, any new leaps of faith taken in 2020 will be supported by the clever, ambitious, and quick-witted energy of the rat. Now, in 2020, the rat falls under a yang expression, which is masculine, and the element of metal. And that means that this yang energy is strong and forceful. It's going to be about stepping up to the plate, being the leader of our own lives. It's about soldiering ahead and conquering our fears in order to finally find that victory. And this makes the year of the yang rat an ambitious one and a time where we can really make some strong moves. For most of the people coming to see me, this is showing up already in the month of January with a, a lot of people just really deciding that they're done with that old stuff and they'd like to step into the new. So best wishes on all of you. And then I'm so excited to be able to introduce my guest, who is Gayla Mills. She is an author, a hobbyist roots musician, and a former college instructor returning to music to help her husband, Gene, record his songs. She discovered a new life in a rich musical circle. Two of her CDs with her husband, Gene, received international airplay and were on the top 10 folk charts. And we're going to talk about her book, Making Music for Life, Rediscover Your Musical Passion, and how it guides those in the second half of life, and maybe even in the first, to pursue their dreams with music. Thank you for your patience with all the opening, Gayla. Welcome to the show. Hi, Loretta. It's a pleasure to be here. It's so fun. I, I'm, I'm just delighted to have you on the show. I was um, mentioning to you before we got on the air, and, and for the listeners, you know, I grew up in a musical family, a very large family. Uh, I'm the seventh of eight kids, and it was my, somehow it got to be my pleasure, my bless, blessing, that I would get to do music with my dad all the time. He was kind mm -hmm. of a hack guitar player. Mm -hmm. And, of course, him and mom sang in church all the time. And um, so after dinner in the evening, um, <laughs> and I, I'm just going into this because it's great memory. Um, sure. You know, we had to help with the chores. So, of course, we had to wash dishes. But I've got, you know, I've got three sisters and a mother. And so the girls did the dishes. I'm sorry. It was the way it was. Right. And so in between clearing off the table or drying dishes, I'd run out to the piano and dad and I'd do a song. And then I'd run back and dry some more dishes and then go uh -huh. back out. <laughs> oh, yeah. So tell me about you. Did you grow up with music or did you come into it later? What happened? Sure. So I um, probably had a, a somewhat more typical um, uh, upbringing with music in that uh, we weren't quite as talented as it sounds like your family was. <laughs> um, but uh, there was a there was a piano in the household, uh, which I didn't learn how to play, but I started playing guitar when I was in uh, junior high and uh, just dabbled with it as a teenager, played it some, uh, you know, to accompany me. I was uh, teaching music to the kids at Sunday school, the songs, and uh, would use it there, and so I just enjoyed it. Um, and then uh, met a bunch of musicians when I was sort of at the end of my uh, high school and early college years, and kind of got hooked into it at that point. Yeah, hooked into it. I like how you said that. Uh, I, th I think teenagers that have have a, a special affinity for that intensity of emotion 
that goes along with music, and and music is a really central part of their lives. Yeah. Um, and and that's in fact uh, one of the things I've kind of explored is how you. It's it's not unusual for people to kind of lose that intense interaction and feeling with music when they drift into their adult years for a while. Um, and I became curious about how they returned to that um, as they got a little bit older, you know, and had more time and more interest in it again. And so that's what I've been exploring. I I really like what you said because, you know, that's so true. We all get busy because I know a lot of people who, you know, took an instrument when they were in elementary or junior high school. And then I'll say, well, do you do any music? And they're like, oh, no. You know, right. the, the flute's in the closet. You know, the I don't know even know where the, the strings for the bow are, you know. Sure. And so can you talk a little bit that, about that? Because I think this is really important. Sure. How do we so, get back into it? Yeah. So um, I thought it was interesting when you're talking about this being the year of the of the rat and how part of that is involved uh, with conquering your fears. And I I do think that there is an element of that that um, people will set aside a, a passion that they had from when they were younger, and it gets sort of added to a pile of things where they think, well, I'm I'm getting too old for that. I I can't do that anymore. And uh, they don't really necessarily examine that assumption that they've made. And so when they do, they can discover that there are lots of people who return to music um, as they get older, get enormous pleasure from it. Um, And there there are ways you can do it, and it it helps to have a guide because you're not going to probably approach music in the same way that you did when you were younger. And, and so where do you learn? Who do you play with? How do you approach it? Those are all things that I think are a little bit different um, in the second half of life. You know, um, I have a, a client who was sharing with me uh, a couple of weeks ago that she is she loves to sing, and so she's been taking singing lessons as an adult. Mm-hmm. And then she was sharing with me how she, I asked her, I said, do you have a recital coming up, right? Like, I'd love to hear you sing. And and she got all flustered and shared with me um, that, you know, she knows she's the oldest one. Mm -hmm. And and she feels embarrassed to be an adult taking uh, singing lessons and possibly being at a recital with, you know, eight-year-old kids. So can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. So, um, uh in terms of being at a recital with eight-year-old kids, that isn't something I've I've generally encountered. Most of the most of the people I know who are who are pursuing music um, later on are doing it with other adults primarily. Um, they're doing it at music camps where the people tend to be older. Uh, they are doing it um, in their communities, uh, in their churches or synagogues, uh, with people who are more their own age, and so they don't have that feeling of of being out of their element. Um, the fear, initially, is pretty universal because as we get older, we get really good at certain things, and we get comfortable with that, um, with our jobs or our families or whatever the skills are that we have, where we get we get good and we, get, we don't want to embarrass ourselves. We don't have that childlike um, openness and really being used to maybe not, not being all that comfortable with how good we are. And so 
part of what you have to do is kind of let go of that fear that you're going to just make a fool of yourself, basically, and just just enjoy it for the for the pleasure that you can get from it. And so, in the case of a recital, you know, if in a classical world, that may be your only outlet. There are a lot of other ways you can sing, either in private or in public, that don't need to uh, involve you feeling exposed in that way, the way she was talking about. Yeah, and can you give us some ideas of what those venues are or how to find them? Sure. So um, uh, in terms of of singing, I have kind of a whole chapter on how to approach singing, which is a little bit different from how you approach playing an instrument. Um, And I've I've been doing both as an adult. I'm taking voice lessons intermittently right now. I know what that feeling is like when you're um, confronting... Um, you know, your teacher and you're having to sing in front of them. And that can be a very um, kind of intimate and difficult thing to do because it's your voice. And um, uh, in terms of an instrument, it's the same thing. You're you're showing people the skills you do or do not have at that point. And you are, uh, in most cases, either a beginner or you're rusty or maybe you've decided to go to a new instrument. Um and in terms of where you can do it, that's pretty radically different depending on what your genre is. And so um, in my book, I've really talked about different genres. So if you're looking at rock or classical or folk just or jazz, those are all areas where there are different kinds of resources. So um, it's a little little hard to go into which of those would, would provide the best um, options for you with that genre so and at that level of detail I you know I'm doing that in the book so I'm not sure um for your readers which which of those things to pursue which genre I I'm thinking that um you know because there's so much music out there and 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 genre for those listening you know that's really kind of like the style is it classical is it you know a a, a blues is it jazz what is it and um, I've got a question for you, you know, because I know you interviewed a lot of people for this book, and we're going to talk more about how this how this book really came about in a minute. But um, there, you know, having been in the in the musical field for a long time, and and even having taught um, elementary music in Saudi Arabia, I I've run into a lot of musicians that are quote unquote paper trained versus musicians who can't read a note that just have some weird uncanny knack to play right sure and and i have had many people say well i can't i can't read music i can't i'm not a musician i can't do that so what is what is a musician do you need to be able to read music and and can you talk about that a little bit yeah yeah, so I can't read music, and I, I get a lot out of music. So, And I know other people who can only really play comfortably when they're reading a score. So there are both of those camps, and then there are also those fortunate ones who can do both, and I think that they are, um, you know, that's kind of the ideal, if you can play by ear or play from reading. Um, uh, and it's something to work toward. But, uh, yeah, uh Generally speaking, classically trained people are going to be more likely to be reading music and need to do that. And then if you drift into folk and other related styles, um, you're learning how to do it by ear. 
and that means you're just approaching the learning differently. You're thinking more in terms of chords, for example, or you're memorizing, or you're working off of what's called tab, which um, is a different system of reading music where you're you're coordinating the positions of your finger on an instrument as opposed to looking at notes, which is how a traditional score would be presented. Yeah. So the, these are all just different styles and ways of learning, and um, there's nothing magical about any of it. All of it's really learned. And, um, you know, I've talked to lots of people who uh, come to play music Later in life, you don't need a, a magic music gene to do it, and you can you can get pleasure from it pretty much at any age um, with any level of ability. It's it's getting comfortable with being willing to um, to just do it. <laughs> I like what you said. You don't need a magic musical gene, right? right. And I'm also I, I love your book. I mean, number one, the title "Making Music for Life," but. Your whole attitude is, let's just make music. Um, and, um, you know, the, I think somebody said once upon a time that we sing before we talk. You know, I don't know if that's actually scientific, but, right. you know, we're always humming or doing something, you know, making sounds, right? Sure. And I think it's a natural part of who we are. And what, what is the advantage of playing with other people musically as opposed to... Um, you know, practicing on your own or playing at home, or are they both good? Sure, they're they're both good, um, but I would say that just it does seem to be that there's something built into um, the human uh, uh, genetic system <laughs> that encourages us and that makes us feel better when we're doing things in a group. So that can uh, go beyond music, of course, and it, it makes sense. Um, just intuitively, if you think about how did our species survive, we're a social species, and so we we do better when we tackle things as a group. You know, some isolated uh, human who's wandering off in the woods is going to be much uh, better prey uh, uh, than someone who's in a group who's going off together and they're they're engaged in hunting or gathering or whatever they're doing collectively. And the same thing seems to be true when you're looking at music, that that, that there's um, an advantage to coordinating, you know, when, you're having, when you have these images of uh, early people who are uh, sitting around a circle beating drums and dancing together. That's a very, um, that's a global thing that you can find across culture where people are engaging together um, musically now. Um, if you look at it just in terms of melody, where everyone is clapping together and singing the same melody together, that creates a real bond with other people. So that's one level of music playing where um, it's easier because you're all doing it, the same thing. And um, it, if you just are in, doing that, and I, I think everyone's experienced that in some situations, then at the next level, you, you're introducing harmony where you're now coordinating with uh, people in that group and you're doing different elements together. And that creates a different kind of joy because it's a, it's a sound where you're doing different things and yet doing things that work together. And that just can be a real high 
that you get and <laughs> as you as you advance musically that's just a great feeling so yeah if you're in a choir you you know what that feeling is you know if you're in an orchestra in a band you know where the people are doing different things that that are working together yeah i i um i actually remember i i was taking violin in the 4th grade right and i remember that first time that uh, I went from the private lesson into the orchestra, mm-hmm. and I was so blown away and loved it so much. And I thought, sure. oh, I've got my little part. I'll play. I get to play my little part. And then all oh, these people are playing all of this and that 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 part of a group thing. And by the way, I was a terrible violin player. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> 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 but I was diligent, right? You know, I loved it. That's going to make sure. noise. But I'm just sharing that with everyone because they might be giggling about their own experience. But, yeah, there is something about being in that group. I love the fact you brought up drumming, drumming and chanting, drumming and singing. Right. And, um, because it, drumming is also part of this making music for life. And I hope people are getting the idea. We're talking about singing. We're talking about playing instruments. We're talking about everything. And I had, I've got a funny sense of humor. You were talking about the one person walking out in the forest by themselves. And I thought, yeah, that's not safe. But if their whole band showed up and started playing, they'd be fine. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> you know, because the animals would just be fine with it. They'd be like, oh, they're musicians. We'll leave them alone, right? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, we're going to uh, uh, take a quick break. And okay. this is Loretta Brown, and I'm the owner of Reiki Oasis, located right here in the Seattle area. My guest is Gayla Mills, Gayla M. Mills. We're talking about her book, Making Music for Life, Rediscover Your Musical Passion. And I have to tell you, this is a great book. It is um, it's very inspirational, Gayla. I mean, you've really put the chapters together in a way that uh, really gets you thinking about, yeah, how could I bring music in or how could I bring it back in? So anyway, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Energy is powerful. It's all around us, mysterious, full of potential. Directing positive healing energy to raise your vibrational rate through Reiki can change your life. Reiki master Loretta Brown has relieved stress, sadness, anger, and even helped clients lose weight, stop smoking, and end sleep disorders. Worldwide, people have sought out Reiki Oasis. If you want help with your dis-ease, visit ReikiOasis.com. Harness life's energy. Visit ReikiOasis.com today. The most dangerous day for a newborn is her first day of life. Every 31 seconds, an infant dies from infections, pneumonia, malnutrition. But she doesn't have to die. For more than 60 years, Project Hope has been saving lives around the world, delivering medicines and supplies, giving newborns a healthy start, making sure her first day of life is not her last because everyone deserves hope. To volunteer or learn more about Project Hope, visit projecthope.org newborns. Do you make a positive difference in the world? Do you have a talent, philosophy, base of knowledge, product or service that you know could help a lot of people if only you could reach them? Join Alternative Talk 1150's family of broadcasters and start walking down a fruitful path as host of your very own program. Dial 425-653-1150 and find out just how affordable it can be to have a show on 1150 AM. That's 425-653-1150. Alternative Talk, we have an opportunity waiting just for you. Be sure to support the sponsors of your favorite shows on Alternative Talk 1150. 
Welcome back to the original Loretta Brown Show with my guest, Gayla Mills, and her book, Making Music for Life. And uh, Gayla, um, can you talk about the song we just played? Because I think I heard you in it. Uh, yes, <laughs> yes, I was playing harmony and bass in that one. Um, yeah, so that, that was one of uh, several dozen songs that we've recorded that uh, Gene has written. I've, I've helped on some of those songs. And uh, uh, he's especially good with writing story songs, uh, many of which he gets not from his own personal experience, from listening to NPR or just other other things as well. And that one's about the, um, <clears throat> excuse me, the Deepwater Horizon oil spill. And uh, several of his songs do have a kind of uh, uh, climate change theme to them, I guess you'd say, or looking at... Um, Difficulties or setbacks that people have that might, um, you know, maybe they're they're facing um, unemployment or maybe there was a, an earthquake or things like that. And those tend to be gripping stories where someone is going through a particular tragedy and, and he will um, manage to turn that into a, um, you know, a beautiful song that people can kind of connect to and sometimes uh, motivate them to do something to take some kind of action in their own lives. I love that. Yeah. So, uh, it, 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 so Gene is someone you know, huh? Yeah, he's, he's, my, <laughs> he's my husband. <laughs> We've been married, what's it been now, 30, 34 years almost. So, Can you yeah. believe it? That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. I, I think it's really great. So you play upright bass. That's right. Okay. Yeah, I, start, I started on guitar and then... Um, when we started playing together as a as a duo um, about 15 or so years ago, I realized that I really wasn't quite the guitar wasn't quite the best fit for me, and I really um, had a very strong reaction to the bass, and I really liked that, so I um, kind of switched over. I yeah, it's as big as you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, fortunately, it's hollow, so I can carry it around. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask about that. Uh, you bring up a, a good point. So for people listening, I mean, uh, I know that a lot of you probably, as you know, studied, uh, took instruments or music in school years ago, and of course that's a hobby horse of mine as to what has happened to the uh, uh, teaching music in schools. I, I don't want to go there right now, but um, how do we know what instrument to play or sure so there's there's a there's a lot of um ways to approach choosing an instrument a lot of the people who um read my book are are people who have played an instrument for a long time and maybe they want to do more with it um or it could be that they're ready to expand their uh you know there's many ways to approach music as there are people and that means some of them are going to be monogamous, you know, and they're going to stick with that one instrument and get really good at it. And then others are going to want to uh, play the field and <laughs> experience different ones. <laughs> and so in, in terms of how you... Uh, how I'm you sorry choose, giggling because I'm like, yeah. I never thought about being monogamous yeah. with the piano. Yeah. My daughter, you don't have to worry yeah, about yeah. safe sex, though, with <laughs> the instrument. That's not an issue. Um, but... Um, one one way to do it is to find what what you seem to be drawn toward when you when you go out and listen to music. Which instrument are you kind of excited by and attracted to? And that is a kind of 
choice of the heart where you're looking at this is a sound that moves me. I want to see if I can duplicate it. Um, then there's kind of the decision you might make more with your head where you say, well, what is practical for me? Um, I may love the cello, but um, I've talked to people and, you know, I know how difficult it is to play an instrument that involves a bow and isn't threaded. And so maybe I want to choose something that, you know, I'm going to be able to play it well in a much quicker or easier way. So that's a, maybe more of a rational decision. And then a third idea that I, ha- I got really from talking to someone for the book was um, the idea of thinking of how, this, how that instrument functions in, in an ensemble. So what role does that play? Because it's not just you on your instrument. You're playing with other people. And do you want to be playing more of a lead role? Do you want to be in the background in a supportive role? and so on. So there's a lot of considerations there. And it may, maybe that you choose an instrument that will, you know, be a rhythm instrument, you know, or even something, just take the guitar. The guitar can be played as a rhythm instrument or as a lead instrument. So maybe you want something that has that versatility. So these are all considerations that go into it. Um, yeah. But it is, it's like a buffet in that you can sample different things. Yeah, and and also you bring this out in your book, you know, the idea of going out and listening to groups or listening mm-hmm. to people. Mm-hmm. And I I think that's such a great idea because, number one, you can get an idea of what's out there, but you can also watch those musicians doing their thing and go, oh, well, yeah, maybe I could do that. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe that isn't as hard as I'm telling myself it is. Right. And, yeah, maybe I could do that. Um you you talk in your book about jam jam sessions sure. and jamming can you talk about it tell, tell us more about that you know sure so in yeah. in um i would say in folk or jazz or rock uh, old time you know different roots genres you're going to find different groups um and they're they're around in a lot of places i'm sure they're jams in Seattle and um, in just lots of lots of cities where you get together with the people and the idea is that you don't necessarily know each other or know the details of what's going to happen. You go in there and it's a very accommodating social thing and uh, you learn some basic skills that will make it possible for you to just play on songs you haven't heard before and uh, it sounds a intimidating at first until you learn the basics of how to do it. And then it's just a really exciting thing to get together with some people, to play some songs that um, that you're maybe less familiar with, but you know kind of what the rules are. And all of a sudden you have this group and you just play a song together. And that is a really exciting thing. And if you're a singer... Uh, there may be a songbook, so if you don't know the lyrics, you know you can be reading off of the songbook, or it may be that there are standard songs that that group will do. And again, you're you're learning to sing with people in a group, and it's just a thrilling thing. I am being with the reality of what you're saying, right? You know, uh, which is uh, first of all, people getting back into music, and and that initial. It's the initial fear, I think it is, the initial intimidation of, 
oh my goodness, what if I show up and I got my banjo and I think I'll just walk around the edges of the wall. Sure. <laughs> like go up there. And, and like you, you said, something about the rules. So can you give us a little bit more information? Like how do we really get over that initial hurdle? Because I think it's the first time you do it is what I think. And sure. then what are the rules? What, what do so, we need to know? Yeah. So one thing you can do if you're nervous about it is, is look around and find a group. And the first time, just show up. You don't have to bring your instrument. Just see what people are doing. Find out, you know, what format is used. Uh, how do people seem to be interacting? And so just watching, maybe you write down the names of a few songs so that you can go home and practice those just so you have something that you feel really comfortable with. So the next time you go, you kind of know what's expected. And uh, what's expected can mean it may be a jam where there are different rooms and people go into different rooms, right? And so the really more experienced people go into this room and the beginners go into that room. And so you know, like, where you're going to feel more comfortable. Like, I'm not going to go into the room with the really hot players because I'm just not ready for that. Um, and, you know, or maybe uh, there'll be things like, well, how do they all end the song at the same time? Well, turns out that in bluegrass, the whoever's doing the lead for that song will lift up their foot. And that means, okay, this is the last time we're doing this repetition of this song. And so everybody knows, okay, well, when we get to the end here, that's when we stop together. And so you can learn those little um, visual cues that will help you do things and coordinate them in a group. Yeah, I like that, visual cues. I, I, I love your advice right there. I think it's great advice. Yeah, go out and, and, and just show up and observe and, and see what's going on. Yeah, it, it, we, all, we just have that anxiety about things that are new for us. Sure. And um, also if we're not feeling all that secure as a musician, um, you know, just, just to be with it. I think it's a journey. I, I, I just love the idea of your book. Uh, to call the adults back into music, call them back I, I, into it. Yeah. I, so one one of the other things I say is that music can help you live and age well. Mm. And by aging well, I mean something that when you as you get older and you confront changes, and then you also confront the fact that there are certain things you're not going to be able to do as well. You know, if, if you're not 20 years old and have um, really, you know, your 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 peak in terms of your your memory and your learning and your 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 fingers are the most flexible and you know your hair looks great and <laughs> so you can just feel really comfortable just sort of leaping in there. And so, what is it that you can bring as a strength as you get older that will make it possible for you to really enjoy this experience? Of, of aging and right. and sharing with others and developing deeper bonds with people as you're playing music with them. And so that's one of the things that I like to think and talk about. I really, really love what you just said, and I, I relate to it. Um, my, my father has passed away, but, you know, he, like I said, he used to love to sing hymns, and he got Alzheimer's when he got older, and so I bought a little digital piano and took it to his room. And when I went to see him, I would play all the old hymns, and he knew all the words and yeah. would sing them. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. And um, 
music is kind of the first thing that appears with babies, and it's kind of the last thing that goes as um, as if things are starting to fade with Alzheimer's or other things. That it is still a way of of reaching people, and they will respond to music um, even if they respond to nothing else. Yeah. So. Yeah, both ends of the spectrum and then all in the middle. Music is just an amazing, natural um, high that you can get. I think it does so much for it. You know, you know, you touched on a little bit, but they've done all these studies on the brain, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, maybe you can talk about that a little bit. Like, really, the benefits of it are, are remarkable from, I like you said, I think it just infuses us with life or joy or creativity or something. Can you talk to that just sure. a little bit? Yeah. Yes, and and I should um warn listeners that I am not a scientist. So <laughs> I will be speaking of this in my non scientific way. But um We're musicians. Really, I'm just sure, it, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. There there's been a lot of research that has shown all the different ways that, that music can help you from deepening your emotions, to strengthening your social bonds, to improving your memory and your thinking. It can improve your hearing. Um, you know, it engages all your senses, and it, it clearly boosts your creativity and can, can really increase your, your dissatisfaction with life. So I know that um, all those things sound a little over the top when said that way, but in fact, there's just a lot of research to back that up. You know, music engages all the different parts of your brain. If you stick yourself into it, someone, if some scientist sticks you into a, an MRI and lo- looks at your head, you know, while you're listening to uh, music, it, it's, your brain's been activated across the hemispheres. And uh, it's just a wonderful uh, way of keeping your brain active and engaged. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm thinking to myself, um, you know, like the tonality of people's voices. And because mm-hmm. you said it, you know, about your, your voice and hearing, um, listening to music, you know, even if you're just listening to music, really activates your hearing and when sure. you're playing music, you have to really listen. And I think that sh- you show up different in life. Um, so what, yeah. what happens is uh, you know, a 70-year-old musician has the same hearing as a, as a 50-year-old. Um, mm. And that is not because their, their ears themselves are, uh, haven't deteriorated. Right, like we lose some of the cilia in our in our ears, um, but it's because their brains have compensated. They have learned how to discriminate different sounds. So, and this makes a lot of intuitive sense because what a musician is doing is they're listening more closely to the elements that go into, say, a musical piece. So they're hearing the different instruments, the different tones, and over time they're getting used to doing that. And so their brains are used to separating out those different elements. So then when you're in a crowded restaurant and people are talking and you're, having, you're struggling to hear because your brain no longer works quite as well doing that, right? Uh-huh, and uh-huh. It, it, because it's been trained as a musician 
to discriminate those sounds, the musician is better able to hear in that environment. Mm. And, you know, that just takes time, Mm -hmm. but it's something that we can all work on. I I think that's really an important piece of information. And, yeah, um, anything that helps us age more gracefully or more uh, more healthy, right, Mm -hmm. Uh, is imperative. I am... for the listening audience, you know, I do a lot of work with sound healing. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we learned when I was going through that training is that the inner ear, the inner ear regulates every muscle in the body. Mm. And that inner vestibular system in the ear, you know, is so important. And you're talking right to it. You're, sure. you're talking about it. Yeah. So who knew? It's one of the healthiest things we could do, by the way, music. And, and it's it's non-GMO, right? It's no right. side effects, maybe. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Unless right. you're listening to something like, no, no, I can't hear that, right? Right. <laughs> and uh, I think it, it helps us with our moods. It helps us clean the house. And it certainly helps us feel part of a community, which is a really big deal. A really big deal. I, I think that the thing that... Um from all the people I've talked to, one of the elements that music, obviously, music itself, just listening to or playing it, is a is a a thrilling thing. But for many people, it's become a central part of their social life mm. because their relationships evolve around people who share their musical interests, and. Uh, that becomes a key part of their identity. And even if you don't play or sing, volunteering at, a, say, a folk club and getting to know the musicians and getting to hang out with people who like hearing that music or hosting a house concert, um, there are all sorts of ways you can be involved in it, even if you feel like you yourself don't want to play it. You can listen to it and you can share it with other people. I like this idea of a, of a house concert. Mm-hmm. Um, you talk in your book about, you know, like things that people can do to really get involved in. Yeah, you can have invite people over. Who knew? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can. And, and I've heard people say, this is so great because I can have a party. I don't pay the musicians. I can get these great musicians in my house and, and they'll spend the night and I get to know them and and have all these people who want to come to my house to listen to this music. So it's kind of everybody's happy with it. Yeah, yeah. And it can be, uh, I I think um, that to me is some of the most approachable music, and it's a very friendly venue, as we say, very friendly. Everybody's just going to have a good time. Have you you been to a house concert? Yes. Yeah, they're they're wonderful. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's super fun. And... and, um, you know, sometimes people are having some some uh, adult beverages, and it gets funnier. So, sure, um, <laughs> it doesn't. <Absolutely>. Have, <laughs> you yes. know, so most of the ones I know are yeah. also potlucks. So everybody yes. brings brings mm-hmm. food, and they a lot of people don't know each other, and so you meet new people. It's just a very sociable, warm way to uh, meet new people and to. Uh, hear some new music so well there's something about singing together eating together doing music together in a mm-hmm. casual way like that mm-hmm. that just b- takes our barriers down and i yep. think it's just part of who we who we really are as humans who we're meant to be right? sure 
Yeah. And but I also think in ter- in terms of as we get older, um, I know for myself when I was in college age, for example, going to a a louder venue and dancing away and flirting and doing all those things was very exciting and engaging. And I'm not I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not mm-hmm. really interested in that myself. And yep. so the idea of being in a place where I can really hear the music and really engage with people in conversation before and after is much more I- interesting to me now. So. Yeah, yeah. I actually agree with you a lot. And I also like at house concerts or, or get-togethers in that way, um, my experience has been that occasionally somebody wants to play an original piece, right? They want mm-hmm. to share that with everybody, and mm-hmm. it's really fun. It's sure. like, oh, yeah, you wrote that. That's really great. Let's hear it. And um, very supportive, I think, of our of our creative abilities and our own uniqueness. Sure. Uh, I want to ask you a question, you know, uh, about acoustic instruments ver- versus digital instruments. Sure. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? I mean, you know, uh, I have my own ideas about it, but... Sure. Yeah. So I, I can tell you that my knowledge of digital instruments is pretty much zero. <laughs> so um, uh, if, you're, if you're talking about having, say, uh, an electric keyboard that can produce all different kinds of sounds, is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just I just don't have personal experience with it. All the um, music I've pretty much been familiar with, excuse me, is, is acoustic instruments. Um, I I know some people who will play electrics, and that's a different thing from the digital music. So uh, those are three different kinds of approaches. I think uh, one advantage of just playing electric instruments, say, for example, an electric guitar or a keyboard instead of a guitar or a piano, is that as you get older, they just require physically a lot less from the person playing. Um, I'll probably have some people yell at me about that, but yeah, I just mean yeah. I, it's I just, it's it's a delicate subject. I do get it. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So just in terms of there are there are certain instruments that because it's an electric one, your 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 fingering doesn't have to be as hard on the instrument. Um, I know for myself, I'm I've started picking up the, uh, an electric uh, U bass as an alternative to an upright, and certainly in that case, it's it's just easier to play. Um, so that's something that gets factored in. Of course, the sound is going to be different, and if you're going for, say, a rock sound, um, that's going to be the thing to go for. Yeah. Uh, in, in terms of just digital music, I couldn't really have much to say about it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so ignorant of it. <laughs> I, I'm an ac- acoustic pianist. I do have keyboards and, and things like that. And, okay. Um, you know, there's, you know, because I get asked about this occasionally and, like, the health benefits. And I go, you know what, if you're playing music, I think it's healthy. And, oh, sure. Um, as far as digital music, I mean, if I have my preference, I'm going to go acoustic just because I like the organic ability of that. But I'm just going to put that out there that I think the idea here is let's get making music. And yeah. if something appeals to you, then let's go that way. Absolutely. It's like, yeah. the, I think the biggest thing is no judgment. Like, what yeah. is it that you're drawn to that makes you feel good? Yeah. And that that's what matters. Now, you and your husband, Gene, you guys perform all over the place. Where can people find you? 
Um, so we're at janeandgala.com, um, or, you know, you can go to my site, galamills.com, uh, and I have a link to it. And, you know, we have we have music out there. We have, of course, my book is out there. Um, and right now we're taking a little break from performing publicly. We have we have a gig uh, up in Virginia that, that, that we have tomorrow, actually. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Not that the people from Seattle are planning on coming there. but <laughs> Yay, <laughs> let's get on the plane. We could make it. <laughs> but we're, we're doing a, a lot of travel in the next few months. Um, uh, we're just able to do that right now. And um, so we're going to New Zealand soon. And uh, I'm working on some gigs over there. But uh, we're taking a little break from setting up uh, stuff here in Virginia. Yeah. So um, we've got about two minutes left. This is Loretta Brown and my guest, Gayla M. Mills. Her book, Making Music for Life, Rediscover Your Musical Passion. Uh, what last things would you like to make sure the listening audience gets from your book? And I, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I just I think that music really connects people. You know, it it um, it takes on a new meaning later in your life that uh, can be really important, and it just makes your life better. So if you're thinking about doing more with it or just jumping back into it, I would say um, I hope you'll uh, get some some advice from others or take a take a look at my book which is a step-by-step yeah and I, I really recommend your book it's an easy read and it's very inspiring it'll get you back out there in music now i want to give us a little time we're going to play one of your songs daytime stars you want to say anything about it before we exit the show on it well just just really briefly it's about um seizing the moment you know paying attention to the little things in life oh that's perfect that's perfect it's been a real pleasure talking to you, Loretta. It's been wonderful to have you, Gayla, and, and music and love and goodness to you. And keep spreading the music out there. And now we're going to listen to Gene uh, uh, and Gayla Mills on, uh, uh, in their song, Daytime Stars. We'll talk to you next week. Go and die. 